0: crosswalk church today pastor jeff is bringing you a teaching so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab there you can download the crosswalk notes to follow along and now here's pastor jeff all right let's dive into the message we are going to talk about as i said you can and should meet all my needs all these messages in post-nuclear families are really bombs that get dropped into our relationships. And what the bombs consist of, and they can be nuclear bombs, are lies that Satan teaches us to believe. And then when we believe on them and act on them, act as if these lies are true, that's when the nuclear explosions go off inside of our families, inside of our very important relationships. So we want to deal with that. Today, And I want to start just with this lie that is very prevalent in our culture, maybe more so in American culture than anywhere else around the world. And that is the lie and the belief that the highest state of affairs for a human being is to become independent, self-reliant, and self-sufficient. Many of us have been taught this. That this is this is what all of us to be mature, uh, productive members of society, good citizens. We need to learn to be independent, self reliant, and self sufficient. And that that is the pinnacle when we can get to this point. And I'm going to tell you that is where. The you can and should meet all my needs lie begins with this smaller but also very potent lie of Satan that the goal is to become independent, self-reliant, self-sufficient. In fact, if we were to know the truth, the biblical truth, and it's said many times over in the Bible, each of us is a big ball of need. I know we don't like to admit that to ourselves. I, I know that none of us likes to say, man, I am a needy person. And often when, when I hear someone accusing someone else of being a needy person, biblically what response comes into my mind when they say he or she is so needy, my response just naturally wants to fall out of my mouth unless I really control myself is, and you are so delusional. Because you think you're not. Take a look, for example, at the Psalms. And this is not just said once in the Psalms. This is said multiple times in the Psalms. Different Psalm writers. Notice what it says in Psalm 109.22. For I am what? I am poor and needy. And my heart is wounded within me. Now, that that is not a popular thought. I'd far rather think of myself as self-sufficient, self-reliant, and independent than poor and needy, for sure. But let me ask you a couple questions, and you can kind of self-analyze a little bit. Have you ever thought about another human being? I wonder, I really wonder what he, what she thinks about me. And and you find yourself about this person, whether it's your your spouse or or someone that you're dating or your boss or whoever it might be. Man, I I wish I could get inside their head. I wonder what he or she really thinks about me. Have you ever asked yourself, man, this breakup is, is so tough. Where am I going to ever end up without her? How, how can I possibly have any hope for any kind of future if he's not, if she's not in my life anymore? Have you ever thought, does anyone, anyone out there, does anyone care about me? Does anyone care to know the hurt that I'm going through, the, the pain that I'm experiencing? It doesn't feel like anyone cares. Have you ever had that thought? Have you ever had the thought, I am trying so hard here. And what I'm trying to accomplish and what I'm trying to do is critically important. Not just for me, but for others around me. Doesn't anyone else in my life see how important this is? How vital and how critical that we accomplish this? Why doesn't anybody get how important my efforts are? Have you ever thought to yourself, there's just no way. I can't do this. Not, not all by myself, not alone, not without him, not without her. There's no possibility. I just can't do it. If you ever had any of those thoughts, any of them at all, and what you just found out is that you are a big ball of need. And guess what? I just went through a week where my wife left me for a week to go take care of my daughter in California, California and my grandchild. And I can tell you that I, I, I think I said every one of these while she was gone. She, man... I was a huge ball of need because I found out just how dependent I am, my beautiful wife, Julie. So I hope you've written that down because that's where we need to start. Each of us is a big ball of need. We need to first just understand what is. It's not what we'd like to think is. It's not what we'd hope is, but it is What truly is in our lives. You and I have to admit we're a big ball of need. What do we do with that? Well, often what we do with it is we sin. Because our needs are so big and so heavy and weigh on us so much. And even threaten to break us sometimes. And so we go searching for someone to help us meet our needs. And I call it sin because the root definition of sin is missing the mark, missing the mark. And I want, you to, I want to show you, first of all, someone who hit the mark. So you can see what hitting the mark looks like and And you'll see the same phrase. I told you it's used repeatedly in the book of Psalms. Look at how he starts. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You, Lord, are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. When this psalm writer began to recognize how deep and how big and how heavy his needs were, Who did he make a beeline for? Where did he head? To whom did he go with his heavy needs? May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. You know, one of the beautiful things of admitting that we're needy. Admitting that we're dependent especially dependent upon God, is that instead of trying to come to God with hands that are full, admitting that we're needy allows us to come to God with hands that are empty. Throughout the Bible, the Apostle Paul, the prophets, Isaiah, Peter, John, there's this consistent message. And and the message is, don't, try to bring stuff to God and say, God, see what, see how good I've done? And that's what we naturally want to do. We want to bring our own righteousness. We want to bring our own goodness and our and our good deeds. And, and we want to try to get back close to God by showing him how full our arms are with all our goodness and all our greatness and all the things we've done and how much we've loved him and how faithful we've been to him. And we come to God and our arms are just filled with all of this stuff that we perceive that we can bring to him. But what's the problem with coming to someone when your arms are already full? There's nowhere for him to place much greater blessings, much more certain and sure things in your arms because your arms, you've come with your arms already full. And what Paul and Peter and John, Isaiah they all are urging us to do is dump dump your own righteousness, dump your own good works, dump, all, dump your love for God, forget about all of that, and come to him empty-handed and say, God, I, I got nothing. I am completely empty-handed here. I need your love. I need your mercy. I need your grace. Fill my arms with your forgiveness and your love. Here's what I want you to write down. Being needy is not always a bad thing. In fact, it's often not a bad thing because when our hands are empty, there's room for God to place his blessings in them. What's the very first thing that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount? Do you remember? Remember how he starts with the Beatitudes, the blessed ares? And do you remember what the very first one is? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. If you want to have God ruling in your heart, and you want to have God's kingdom operating in your life, Jesus just says it flat out, come and admit that you're poor and that you're needy. Come empty-handed to God, and then you will be blessed. And so I think the natural conclusion for most of us is, hmm, God must be saying, if I have him, that's all I'm ever going to need. And, and, and really what the Bible is teaching is, I don't need people at all. And people don't need me at all. And so I, I can just focus on God alone. I can go out, I can be a hermit somewhere out there past... New River, and I'll just live all by myself out there, not worrying about people affecting me or me affecting them because I have God and I have all I need. Is that what God's saying? How do we know that's not what God is saying? Isn't it so interesting how gracious God is? Because it is true to say Jesus is all we need. In fact, Jesus himself is going to tell us that in just a moment. Jesus is all we need. But God says, while that's true to say, I'm going to give you, because I love you so much, because my heart is filled with with such grace toward you, I want to layer something else on top of what you need and give you something that will help you with your needs. Adam was in the Garden of Eden, remember? And what was the thing that God said about him? It's not good for the man To be alone. Well, Adam technically was not alone, was he? Because Adam had God. And God could very well have looked at Adam and said, dude, why are you so lonely? This is ridiculous. I don't know why I'm putting up with you. You have me, therefore you have all that you need. I don't need to make any other person for you, man. God could have said that, but he didn't. He looked at Adam and he took him through this exercise that helped him see that all the, all the animals came in pairs. And Adam started to think, man, I, I wish I had someone that could walk through life with me. And then God so lovingly toward Adam, this is our God who loves us, created Eve for him created another human being another person for adam so that he could have a companion to walk through life with and this is this is important for us to understand that while god meets all our needs god has also given us each other take a look at ecclesiastes there was a man all alone he had neither son nor brother there was no end to his toil yet his eyes were not content with his wealth For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? See, here's this guy, and he's built up all these riches, and they're not fulfilling him. He's alone. This, too, is meaningless, a miserable business. He's not alone. He's not only alone. He is miserable and alone. And where does it go from there? Two, and it means two people, are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. You see, it's it's very, very scriptural, very, very biblical, very much the heart of God that our biggest and deepest needs are met By God, but also that God to know that God has given us each other. Did you know that in the New Testament, over 50 times, this little phrase, one another or each other is used. Over 50 times, nearly 60 really. And it says things like love one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, honor one another, accept one another. Because God has made us for each other as members of his family. He has created tons of brothers and sisters so that we can have each other's back so that we can be there and meet each other's needs. Here's what I want you to write down. Humans are God's plan for meeting some needs. And we need to understand that. I'm God's plan as your pastor for meeting some of your needs. Your spouse is God's plan for meeting some of your needs. Your, your blood brothers and sisters, your biological bro, uh, brothers and sisters are God's plan for meeting some of your needs. Your parents, your children, all of these are part of God's plan to meet some of the needs that you have. Your, your Christian brothers and sisters are part of God's plan to meet some of the the needs that you have. But we miss the mark because sometimes we don't know where to place those needs exactly. Who who can we place the deepest needs on, kind of the medium needs on, maybe our lighter needs on? Maslow has this thing, psychologist Abraham Maslow had this thing where he, he identified a whole hierarchy of needs that start with your physiological needs and then, and then it spans out to, to your self-actualization needs and there's other things in there like the need for safety. Where, where do we as human beings... Where are we led by God to place these various needs? And here's what I want to say to you today. Here's the thing that can completely change your life and your relationships. This is the secret I want to give to you today. That when we place the right needs in the right places, your life, my life can change. And when we don't place the right needs in the right places. It can completely be destructive of our life and all of our relationships. The secret is to understand what is what and where things go. And it starts with understanding. And it's okay to say humans are God's plan for meeting some needs. But look at what Paul says. First Corinthians seven is a chapter about marriage. And in here, Paul says some pretty challenging things about marriage. And he's saying this because he wants us to realize there's this marriage relationship that even God designed to meet some of our deeper needs. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Now, pause a second. I'll explain that in a moment. It's not maybe what you're thinking it is. Those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if, as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them, for this world in its present form is passing away. I want you to underline a couple phrases here that are, that are critical to understanding what Paul is saying. In the very first line, I want you to underline, the time is short. And then in the last line, I want you to underline something that says pretty much the same thing, but explains why he says the time is short. For this world in its present form is passing away. What Paul wants us to understand when we have relationships, it it could be a marriage relationship, a parenting relationship. It could be you trying to take care of an aging parent. It it could be you taking care of a, a small child that is very, very needy. It could be a, a, a relationship with a best friend. Picture any kind of relationship you want. While Paul is talking about marriage here, he uses this as an example of how even in this greatest and tightest of human relationships, we need to remember all this is temporary. I, I'm telling you that is challenging for most people because most of us have seen way Too many movies, especially if taking the marriage relationship into account, we've seen way too many romance movies. And how many people sitting here in this room to their prospective spouses have not said something like, I will love you forever? See, it is, it is not in our nature to say to someone that we're about to get married to, to say, I will love you, and that's temporary. I will love you, but the time is short. Now, understand what I mean by that. The world's passing away, hon. I will love you, but it's not forever. But that's exactly what Paul is saying here. As hard as it it might be to accept this, nothing here is permanent. This world, he says, in its present form is passing away. But I'm married to her. You know what Jesus says about that. He says, in eternity, there's not going to be such a thing as marriage. Doesn't mean that you won't see your spouse there, know your spouse there, be with your spouse there. But this world in its present form and the relationships in their present form, they are biblically passing away. It's going to be something new and something better in heaven, but it's going to be different. And so Paul says this, go through this list. It's so interesting. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. He is not saying, guys, take your wedding ring off and go out and, and be with whoever you want. Pretend like you don't have a wife. That's not what he means. What he means is this. When we get married, our attention is divided. He's going to actually blatantly say that a little bit later on in 1 Corinthians 7. And, and, and whether it's the husband or the wife... We're now devoted to God and we're devoted to our spouse. And what he wants us to know is when you get married and inevitably this is going to happen, your, your time, your energy, and your attention will become divided. And that's okay. God, God even designed it that way. Don't let it get divided so much that you forget God in the process. It would be better for you to live as if you didn't even have a spouse if you're going to be distracted and taken away from your devotion to God. Countless times I've talked to young men and said, you know that you are the leader. You're the spiritual leader in your house. So come to church, dude. Be here faithfully every week. And and here's the answer that I get. I want to come to church, but my wife won't come with me. I want to be in growth group. My wife doesn't want to be in a growth group. And and I get awestruck at that answer because that's exactly what Paul is saying. If you have a wife who won't come to church with you, then live as if you don't have a wife and come to church alone. If you have a wife that won't join a growth group with you, if you have a wife who won't pray with you, And and ladies, flip it around. It's the very same thing. If you have a husband that won't come to church with you, a husband who won't be in a growth group with you, a husband who won't pray with you, then live as if you didn't have a husband and come anyway and be in a growth group and pray anyway. Live as if you didn't have that spouse and stay devoted to God. Don't let your spouse take you away from God. And by the way, this is all about getting distracted from your relationship in God. He just runs through the things that typically distract us. Those who mourn as if they did not. What he's saying there is, when you experience a big loss, you're going to grieve. And it's going to hurt. And for some of you, you're going to start to say, I am, I am so sad and I am so depressed and I am hurting so badly. I just don't have energy for a relationship with God right now. I, I, don't, I, I don't have it in me to go to church because I am deep in my grieving right now. He goes on to say, and the opposite is true. Maybe, maybe you're not grieving. Maybe you're happy. And things are going great for you. And you are so happy. And, and, and things are going so well. That those are the things that are distracting you from your relationship and your devotion to God. And, and you're running around taking care of that new house you just bought. Shining up that brand new Cadillac that you just were able to, to get without a loan. You're, you're playing with all your toys. And you're happy. But you don't have time for the Lord. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. Yeah, God blessed you with a huge 65 inch HD TV, and football season is on the way. And on the weeks when you can't use your Cardinals season tickets, you're planted in front of that TV on Sunday morning, engrossed in it. Paul says, Don't get engrossed in the things of this world. For this, for this world in its present form is passing away. This is all just temporary. See, there was a very faithful Christ-following woman who probably knew all this up here, but she stumbled for a little bit, and her story's in the Bible. A woman by the name of Martha, whom we know was a faithful Christian woman, But one day she had Jesus and the disciples coming to her house and she was busy, man. She, she was cleaning. She was cooking. And when Jesus and the disciples got there, her sister, Mary just sat down in front of Jesus, sat at his feet and started listening to him, wrapped with attention into what Jesus was saying. And Martha got frustrated. Like, what is Mary doing? Why isn't she helping me clean? And why isn't she helping me cook? And why isn't she helping me host? We have a job to do here. And she asked Jesus for help. Teacher, make my make my sister help me. You see what Jesus responded to her. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, "You are worried and upset about many things. You you have not learned to discern what real needs are." Is what He's really saying. Few things are needed, or indeed. Only one. Underline those words. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. her. Jesus is saying, if you really want to boil it down and identify what need really is, there's only one need. Only one true need. And that is to be with me, Jesus. And that is to be listening to my words and my promises. That's the one true need that every human being has. Flip the page. Fill this in. I can begin by sorting out what I identify as a need. That's what Jesus helps Martha do. Martha, you're so busy because you think all these things, the the cleaning of the house, the cooking of the food, the hosting of the people, you think you're under a lot of pressure in your own head because you think that's all necessary. It's all needed. It's not. That's what Paul was saying to all of us about the marriage relationship, about the stuff that we have. How much time? How much time do we put in tending to our stuff? Fixing our house, polishing our car. Uh, Just ask yourself, in terms of time and energy, here's the time and energy I put into taking care of my stuff Here's the time and energy I put into my relationship with Jesus Christ. And how does that compare? Not just time, I want you to think, time and energy. For many of us, and I'll include myself in this, too often the time and energy, and and this is why Paul's saying what he is, is, is put into. Caring for and protecting and tending to our stuff instead of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We've got to learn to sort out what we truly need. And what we truly need, Jesus says, is to be like Mary, sitting at Jesus' feet and spending time with him. Deepening that relationship with him. Now Paul goes on in in Romans chapter 7 and he teaches us something very important. Because when we, when we don't learn to discern between all the different levels of need, we're going to feel, if we put them all on the same level, man, I'm going to tell you, and I see a lot of people feeling this way, you are going to feel heavy. You're going to feel burdened in life. You're going to feel like, how, how can I even make life work? Look at what Paul says. I would like you to be free from concern. I, I would like to cut most, if not all of that stuff that you're, you feel are s- such deep needs. I'd like to cut all that away from you and let you walk free. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife and his interests are divided. Will you underline those words? His interests are divided. Here's the thing. When we feel burdened, when I feel burdened, I'll just bring it on to myself. When I feel burdened, do you know what I, I tend to do when I'm feeling just weighed down by life? I, I tend to go back to lie number one. It's all your fault. And I look around and go, it's because of that person that I'm burdened. It's because of, of them that my life is so hard and so heavy right now. Why it's so hard to get any progress. And ultimately, I begin to blame one person after another until finally my head arrives here. God, you know, really, it's not their fault. It's your fault. Because you're the one that led all these people into my life. And, and ultimately, you're the one laying all these heavy, heavy burdens on me. And I begin to blame God. Because I feel so burdened. Does God really want you to feel that heavy and burdened and that weighed down in life? Paul says, no. I want you to be free from concern. And that starts by realizing, this is all that Paul is saying here. Many people read this chapter and they think Paul is saying marriage is a bad thing. He's not. What he's battling is is what we still find in our culture today, and it was there in Paul's culture too. He's battling that people thought that if they would just find the right person to get married, that person could and should meet all their needs, and and that therefore life was just going to be grand and glorious after that marriage. And then they get about a year, sometimes six months, sometimes three months, sometimes two years or three years or five years down the road, and instead of thinking, this person meets all my needs, start to go, this, me, this person sucks me dry. And, and what he wants us to understand is in any relationship, marriage, friendship, parent, some of you are taking care of parents right now who are aging. And, and you're having a similar thought, man, I don't know where I'm going to get the energy to keep caring for this parent. And, 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 and this is happening right now, and, and there's a little bit of forgetfulness in us that for many, many of these relationships, we chose to be in them. I stood before God and witnesses and said, I commit myself to Julie for the rest of my life. And I said things like, in sickness and in health. That was a choice. That was a decision I made. And all Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians 7 is, don't forget, you chose that and you made that commitment. And if now burdens come with it, see that they're connected. Connect the dots. You chose. Now now here's the burdens that you're carrying. I want to help you carry those burdens. But don't blame everybody else and don't blame God. Understand that you chose this. You chose to say my interests from here on out are going to be a bit divided. Same for the woman. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. We just have to be concerned about the affairs of this world. There has to be a roof over the head. There has to be food on the table because we're married. I'm saying this for your own good. And notice he says it not to restrict you. I'm not saying you shouldn't get married. But if you do, find a way still to live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Don't, whatever you do, let that relationship draw you away from your devotion to the Lord. And here's why. God is the only one that can meet our biggest needs. And if we go into marriage hanging our biggest needs on our spouse, if we go into any friendship or any relationship wanting to hang big needs on that relationship, we're going to destroy that relationship. What am I talking about? Write these down. Five of them. Five check marks. Identity. Destiny. Community, purpose, and possibility. You see them on the screen. I've got a Bible passage for each one. If you've ever thought to yourself, without this person in my life, I just don't know who I am anymore. If you've ever thought to yourself, there's no hope and no future for me without them. If you've ever thought to yourself, I have to have this person. They're the only one that I can possibly imagine as my companion in life. If you've ever thought, I don't know why I'm here, when this person isn't around. If you've ever thought, without this individual, there are no possibilities. There's, I, I just can't see myself accomplishing anything. What you've done is you've turned them into an idol. Let me show you what I mean here. That says human on it. That says, probably most of you can see that. That says Jesus. Our needs, there's little needs. We get hungry and we need food, water. But the big needs, the five that I just put up there, Identity, destiny, community, purpose, and possibility. Those are heavy needs, big needs. And, and here's the deceptive thing about you can and should meet these kind of needs. Is If we very gently place those kind of needs, identity, destiny, those kind of needs on a person, usually another person can bear up under that for a little while and make us feel like, man, I I really do know better who I am and where I'm going with this person in my life. The only problem is this, this is a huge problem on two counts and why it's a lie of Satan is life is not like that. Life is not gentle. Life is like this. That's how life is. And, and when we need somebody, We often drop those needs on them. And what we end up doing, because they're only human, is crushing them. When I tell another human being, I don't know who I am without you. I don't know where I'm going to end up without you. We are crushing them. And by the way, notice this doesn't just crush this person. Do you see what happened to the weight? It's not standing up very nicely, is it? Nor will you be if you place those kind of expectations and needs on another human being. Identity, destiny, community, purpose, possibility. Here's where those needs need to go. And I can even drop that on there. And it's fine. When I place those kind of needs on Jesus. And that's what, that's what we're learning today is how to place the right needs in the right places. Don't take those huge, heavy, deep needs and place them on another human being. Spouse, friend, child, parent, anyone. You will crush them and you will end up toppled over. Take those needs and place them on Jesus and you will stand tall and you will stand strong. Now, furthermore, I want you to visualize something because I didn't bring two paint cans. Do you think that if I brought another paint can and had another weight like this and both of them were standing on that very solid, strong paint can that I could then lean this weight over and lean that weight over and them against each other, and they would stand strong and tall? They would, wouldn't they? If I put a weight here and leave that weight there, can I lean it over? You see where I'm going with this? Your strongest, most solid relationships are the ones that are built with both people meeting their deepest needs, their strongest needs in Jesus Christ because he's God and he can handle those needs. He's got the biggest shoulders imaginable. Here's what I want you to write down. We put expectations on another human to meet these big needs. We end up crushing or breaking them. Instead... Listen to what Philippians 4.19 says. This is the note that I want to end it on. This is why we say everything in life is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything in life is about basing and and founding our life on top of him. See see this beautiful gospel promise? And my God, he promises, will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Here's the beauty. When our deepest needs are met in Jesus, we're free now to love each other and love as God has designed interdependently so that both of us with our deepest needs met in Jesus can lean over and support and help one another. That's the way God designed it all the way back when he created Eve for Adam. To live not independently of each other, Not completely dependent on each other. But because our deepest needs are met in Jesus, we can lean on each other. And that's what I call interdependently. Here's the picture. I want you to memorize it. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And here's the point that I want you to go home with today. The bottom line, picture your needs as weights. And commit to placing your heaviest needs and expectations on Jesus alone. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have given us Jesus, that solid, strong rock of a Savior that we all have in our lives, your Son, whom you sent so that we could found our life, have Him as our foundation, stand strong in Him. Lord, send your Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we stop believing the lie that some other human being in, the, in this world should or can meet all our needs and help us to understand that you alone meet our needs. Lord you for going above and beyond and even though you do meet all of our needs you sent us other people. Strengthen us to receive your love and then reflect it out to one another and and to obey all those one another's in the Bible and to support and help one another, especially in this crosswalk family and in all the the other families that are in our congregation. Help us to understand that when you meet our needs, that's only when we can meet others' needs, really. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue Baseline on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. Man, you think about this. This is labeled human on here and all of us are only human. When such deep and heavy expectations are placed on us, we're not able. We're not able. And, and I want you to think about this too. Baptism, we said, when we come into this world because of what Adam and Eve did as human beings, we're not just human, we're already crushed and broken by sin. Put a weight on that, no way, it's not able But the Lord, our God, Jesus Christ, he's able, he can, and he will. That's his promise. He can, and he will meet all your needs. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great week in the Lord. If you have prayers you want to pray, stay down here. The prayer team will be up front, up front here. Uh, we'll see you out on the patio.